Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be giving a preview of the Thunder Pistons game as well as the upcoming five games because it might be the most pivotal that we are going to see for the remainder of the regular season. So just heading right into this, I actually have a quick tidbit because I did not discuss it in yesterday's podcast, but it happened yesterday. Justin Robinson got signed to another 10-day, and he got signed 10 days ago. I guess now it'd be 11 days, but we got him on his first contract. Kind of this bright young prospect out of the G League with the Delaware Blue Coats, averaged like 15 points, five assists, did really well in the playoffs, shot 40% from three, and we just brought him on, hoping we could find some gold. And we also had Jalen Horde. Jalen Horde's been a home run. Justin Robinson, he's looked good, but he has kind of had some hiccups. And I know whenever this news was originally circulating and it was made official by the team, I saw some people a little bit indifferent about it because they wanted to maybe scavenge some more G League players. I will say the market's kind of dried out a lot in these last 10 days. We have saw Dante Hall fly off the board. That was my main guy. That's the guy who I thought would have been amazing to try to put on a 10-day, but he's playing with the Magic, and he just came off like a 7.9 rebound game. So good on him. But, you know, there's other guys too, like Omer Yurt7, I heard floating around. Just, Just other people. The whole entire... Just digging for gold, see if you can strike anything and keep him for next year. I don't know if Justin Robinson necessarily is that, but I think he earned a 10-day contract, another one, because, I mean, he hasn't been a bad asset by any means. He's kind of been a dude that Mark Dagnalt has stashed in like a third slot uh, position for the point guard. He's not really this secondary guy that's kind of split with uh, Ty Jerome right now because Teo's the one starting and Ty Jerome has been averaging like double digits this month or at least somewhere close to that so it kind of leaves the minutes shrunk down unless there's like another injury or Jerome's fouling out or Maladone's doing bad so he really hasn't had a ton of time to play in his past couple games I will say in his debut he was given the green light and he was not bad at all he had nine points in his debut I think he shot three of seven from the floor And if you guys remember, he got really hot in the second quarter. And guess who they played against? They actually played against the Detroit Pistons for his debut. Kind of goes around full circle. But against them, second quarter, Frank Jackson for them was killing it. We had him as a training camp signee. And Justin Robinson kind of fired right back. So he hit a top-of-the-key triple, but ended up getting ruled out because Tony Bradley set an illegal screen. Very next possession... He ended up burying pretty much the exact same shot from the top of the key, and I think he got a steal and a layup on the other end, and there was a similar situation where he was in the fast break, went up for his shot, and got clobbered by Josh Jackson. So it was a flagrant one. I think he made one free throw, and that was that. So he picked up six points and then must have got three along the way, but he looked really good. Like that first game, I think people wanted to see a lot more of him, and we were just never able to see that. He only averaged 12 minutes in the games that he was playing, and he played in all six, but just not a lot of minutes. I mean, the time that he was playing was the garbage time. I mean, OKC's breaking records out here for losing by a lot of points this month. So whenever we're down 20, 30 points, Justin Robinson got us checking into the scores table. But meaningful minutes-wise, 
really, it was just held to the Pistons game. I think outside of his debut, he wasn't used at full capacity, so we didn't get to see him kind of with the whole functioning offense, because when you're down 30, I'd like to imagine it's more street ball style play anyways, so he, he wasn't really fixed in any competitive spots outside of the Detroit game, but he was still all right. He averaged 1.5 points, one rebound, and 1.3 assists in those 12 minutes, so it gives you a little bit of ground to work with, and he's only 23 years old. I'm assuming this means SGA is not going to be back for the next 10 days, so just bolster up your point guard position because if Teo or Ty fell down, you would have a serious issue off the bench. You wouldn't have someone like Hamadou Diallo to be your makeshift point guard for the time being. You would have to try to fetch in someone like Poku, who's hurt right now, or you'd have to depend on funky lineups where you don't have a point guard. You have Kenrich Williams supposedly playing that spot, but ball handling duties are kind of spread across everybody. Roby, Baisley, all those different kinds of guys. So you don't have to worry about it. He's kind of the safety net, and I guess he was impressive enough for another contract. You can't really be too upset with this. If you had a set player in mind that you wanted for a 10-day, I'd understand it, but I don't think Justin Robinson's a bad asset at all. He had a bit of flashes, hasn't had a ton of time though, as I talked about. So maybe this is a sign that he'll get more time leading on into the future 10 days with the team. But we'll see what goes on there. I'm assuming that he's going to be able to play a decent bit against the Detroit Pistons. And I'm saying this because this is going to be a game where I'm assuming just young players are going to be spanning the whole 48 minutes. And I'll go into that right now. This is going to be, by all accounts, like a tank battle. Both the Pistons and the Thunder are doing pretty bad in the standings. When you're going on lottery odds, Detroit, they have the third best odds, and OKC, they have the fifth best odds. So they're kind of up there, but it kind of gets tight in terms of the games back. So you can kind of free fall from that third spot to, hell, the 10th spot in about three days if you're not being careful. Because, you know, if you're losing games and the people, or refrain from that, if they're winning the games and the people below you are all losing you're kind of going to get caught in the crossfire, and that's not going to end too well. So Detroit, they just decided, you know what? We're playing a Thunder team who is in the midst of their worst run of the year, losing the past eight games, as I talked about by record-breaking numbers, total of 219 points. They have uh, been on the minus side on in their eight losses. So this is a team that, by all accounts, is the worst in the league right now on paper but the thing is as I mentioned the lottery means a lot and those standings mean a lot so they are coming in with a pretty unique game plan they're going to be just taking out their main pieces of the roster Jeremy Grant he's going to be out for rest purposes Mason Plumley, he's going to be out for rest purposes Hamadou Diallo He's considered questionable for this game. And even beyond those three, you have guys in Dennis Smith Jr., Rodney Magruder, Corey Joseph, and Wayne Ellington all out. So they have a completely gutted roster. This is about as watered down as they can get it without the NBA knocking on their doorstep. I mean, it's bad. And they're kind of falling victim to the exact same thing we've been doing, which is just gutting out the roster, trying to tank. And... 
hey, like, I'm being hypocritical, but, man, it's annoying whenever somebody else is kind of trying to out-tank us. And I think that when it comes to OKC, they really didn't have a singular game where you could pinpoint it as, oh, they're just intentionally trying to lose this because your main guy in SGA, he's been out since last month with plantar fasciitis, and he doesn't really have a timetable to return right now. So all these games that we've just combined to lose since his loss, I mean, you can't really chalk that up as us tanking on purpose. Like, I, I think it's all inadvertent and there's no real intent there i think when it comes to tanking obviously the players don't suit up trying to lose but it's just how management works it around that's not a management thing an injury is not controlled by management i mean it sucks but you can't really chalk it up as tanking what you can chalk things up as tanking is like a rest day and we have actually seen that a lot al horford prime example we have not seen him in a while he's not coming back he's probably not wearing a thunder jersey again all due to rest i'm surprised the nba didn't try to step in and didn't you know check their anti-tanking rules that they implemented whenever they added the new lottery odds in as well but i mean he he was our best center i mean now with moses brown kind of elevating his game you can make an argument that you know maybe he's not the best and i think if Horford was still playing right now, it'd be a bad idea because Brown and Bradley are kind of both there and they're pretty decent centers too. So it wouldn't help us. But it's also one of those things where like he's 34, he's looked really good this year. Just pulling him out for no injury reason seems like it'd be a little bit sketchy. We kind of get away with it though due to the circumstances. But some of the things like Lou Dort, for example, resting games, we saw it whenever SGA came down with his major plantar fasciitis injury i think the game before or that exact same game dort was ruled out for a knee injury or something and dagnall ruled that that was just for maintenance purposes and that's not the first time we've seen dort ruled out for maintenance purposes i mean he didn't play against the warriors due to maintenance purposes he carried the team so hard on tuesday he kind of just got an off day he got a two-day break to play tonight against the pistons but we've done it too so like, it's just a little bit annoying because we haven't seen it in action, at least on us, that I can remember. And it's kind of a really pivotal part of the season to be doing this. And it's a little bit funny, too, that the Pistons just out of nowhere want to do it against the Thunder because, I mean, we're doing really bad. I'm not saying it's a guaranteed win if you're going to stack your roster, but we're not in the greatest of shape right now. So if they wanted to be competitive, they could have just kept everyone on hand and we got 48 minutes of just normal basketball but they're pulling all their guys out and it changes the scenery a little bit you kind of get their perspective on what's going on and Oklahoma City's perspective as well in a in a little sense because they did not return fire they did not put players onto the injury list out of nowhere they didn't throw Dort or Baisley on the list all you have out right now is SGA Poku Gabrell Deck and Mike Muscala and you can also mention Al Horford in there but you know I think that's a little bit of a tacky one he's not playing anyways Josh Hall is one though who is on the active roster he's just not going to be participating for us so we have guys out but all those guys really have been out it's not like these are just out of nowhere injuries from them whereas Detroit I mean this is just all rest reasoning 
And I completely get the mindset. Pretty smart one to be doing too. Since you're kind of playing a really high stakes game tonight. But man, it, it, it kind of gets your, your gears going. So we'll see what happens. As I talked about, I really think this is going to be a game where you just see all the young players out there the rookies the g-leaguers i don't see any veterans getting any meaningful minutes in the game and if they do it's going to be very very sparingly i think the guys who you need to put kind of on your list for this game obviously for okc it's going to be lou dort how does he come back from that 42 point career high game and bays too with his 22 points i'd even go as far to say maladone as well because he has looked good and Moses Brown because you're not gonna have Plumley, but you're gonna be kind of having a rematch against what I would consider a forming rivalry right now and Isaiah Stort he's on the NBA's rookie ladder right now he beasted and feasted against the Thunder in their last game I think he had four blocks or something like that he was hitting mid-ranges getting on the uh interior as well getting getting anywhere he wanted really on Moses Brown. I think he might have stifled a bit on the rebound category, but when it came to shutting him down, he did exactly that. It's probably the best matchup we've seen all year with Moses Brown in the mix there. So I want to see a kind of rematch there, see how Brown is able to combat Isaiah Stort because it was a really physical game. And even behind Isaiah Stort, you have a G Leaguer who has past connections with Moses Brown in Tyler Cook. He played for the Iowa Wolves in the G League this year. And I know I talked about it in the last game that they played about two weeks ago. But I'll repeat it again. One of the only games where the opposition, the opposing player, outscored Moses Brown. I think Tyler Cook had like 26 or 28 points, whereas Brown only had 22 or 24. OKC Blue, they barely scrapped out a win at the time. I think Iowa was 0-6 or 0-7. They weren't doing very hot, so they were just possessions away from snagging a w but they just didn't get there and tyler cook he was very physical in that game i think he's six foot nine he's got a great motor and a big ball of energy so expect him to come into the rim like a wrecking ball he is going to be driving in for his attempts he doesn't need to go on the post he can but when you got moses brown on you it will make it a little bit difficult i will say though cook he's pretty burly so he might be able to get around as well I know whenever they played in the last game Tyler Cook got tiny minutes not a lot of opportunities but he did very good he almost got double digits in the game and he was kind of getting vocal with Moses Brown too like John after and ones after rebounds all of that so that's a key matchup just a center spot how we see Stort and Cook play against Moses Brown and even Tony Bradley because he has looked considerably better this week he had that 16.14 rebound double double not too long ago see if he can continue the magic against the Detroit Pistons found a lot of those connections through Ty Jerome he's been hot see what he is able to do with the basketball and see how everybody kind of works around with things I believe Isaiah Roby is out of the injury report so you could watch out for him and see how he is working with the team he's gonna get his time and then also Jalen Horde and Justin Robinson keep an eye on them because I do think with the nature of this game kind of being different than all the others they should get their minutes so 
I'm excited to see how this works. This is going to be a game that I would almost consider must-watch TV, like the games before this one. We kind of saw a little bit of an advantage for teams. Like, OKC has been surprising in games, like keeping it close. But in our losing streak, we've run up against teams that always have like one or two superstars. And you can kind of see how that goes. Like, it trends their way every game. I'd almost go to the point where I'd say OKC might be favored in this one because they just don't have the firepower. The Detroit Pistons don't at least. I mean, the players that we're talking about, I already outlined the bigs. They do have a couple of surprise guys who might catch you off guard. Sadiq Bey, he's been a phenomenal rookie for them, averaging about 17 points on the month. Frank Jackson, I've really loved seeing him work, and Josh Jackson as well. He got hot quick in the first game, kind of settled down as the game progressed, but they got guys who can kind of make, make shots here and there. But I'm not saying they got a certified superstar. I think even whenever Jeremy Grant was playing for them, this was the original game where I said, you know what? I think this is the game where we can actually capture a W despite us not having SGA, Dort, or Baisley. Obviously, it didn't happen. We ended up losing that game by 24 points. But this one, needless to say, should be much, much closer. And I might even consider it a down-to-the-wire game depending on how some of our presumed stars play and as i'm talking presumed stars i'm talking the vets and dort and darius Baisley. but it's gonna be fun to watch gonna start at 6 p.m so an earlier start time kind of got used to the 8 p.m slated game so i'm a little bit unhappy about it but it's all good just means i'm gonna be able to watch probably eat food in the middle of it and i can be able to get a podcast out really close to midnight so it might be a morning podcast come tomorrow i know you guys like those a lot more so i'll try to steam more of those out to you you know i've talked about in the past like kind of busy sometimes got school and all that so i'm not able to get a morning episode consistently but i always try to go there and i think tomorrow would be one of those opportunities for me to do so so just get ready for the game i mean it's gonna be close and with all the implications, this is going to be one of the more key games to watch. But even expanding on key games, I mean, this is going to be a very treacherous five-game streak for us right now because really all of our matchups in these next five are with bottom-dweller teams. And I'm talking teams in the bottom eight. Looking at the standings right now, you have Minnesota at number one, Houston number two, Detroit, Orlando, OKC, Cleveland, Washington, Sacramento, and then right below them, you have Toronto, and Orlando is right behind them. They actually are controlled by Chicago, so Chicago is number 10. They just kind of moved that pick over. But anyways, it's so tight in those spots, and it's something I talked about yesterday. Briefly covered it a couple minutes ago here, but Every game is going to matter so much more as we kind of wind down on the regular season. Only having 17 more games goes down to 16. Some have 18. Just kind of fluctuates. But really just that ground level, like 17 more games, it's going to be close. Because just breaking it down, you know how in a conference standings kind of chart, 
you'd see the top eight teams and then the line, and then under that are the non-playoff teams. Now it's changed a bit, so you have one through six together, got the line, and then you got seven through ten, and even in some cases going below that. That's kind of how this works. Like There is some serious separation in the lottery teams right now, and I think it kind of comes up to just how teams are kind of slotted. I mean, Minnesota, they are number one, so they're not behind any games. Houston's on the doorstep. They're only half a game behind the number one slot, and Detroit is two and a half games. Behind them is Orlando. They're four and a half games back, and OKC is five, and they're two games behind the Orlando Magic. So they're 6.5 games back, and I mean, it kind of just evenly drops down. I mean, you see a top three pecking order between Minnesota, Houston, and Detroit, and then it drops Orlando, then OKC. But I'm going to leave Orlando in the clear. Let's go top four in their own area. Let's evaluate five through ten. OKC is six and a half games back. They're actually tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I think lottery night, tiebreaker. It's not like in other sports where you just check like who has the advantage of the season. I think it's just a 50-50 coin flip now. So it could go either way. So five and six are really interchangeable with the Cavs. But beyond them... It is still very, very close. There is a three-way tie right now for the seventh spot in the reverse standings between Washington, Sacramento, and Toronto. They're eight games back from the main prize. And with OKC and Cleveland, they're only one and a half games back. And when you look at Chicago, they're only nine games back and three and a half games behind the Thunder. Actually, take it back, just two and a half. So you get a couple swing games and you're looking from having the fifth best odds where you have around a 40% chance of cracking the top four and a 10% chance of the first overall pick. You spiral out of control with a couple wins. You're going at number 10 where you only have a 14% chance of a top four pick and a 3% chance of a number one overall pick. So the odds completely shift. And in a draft class like this one where it's so, so stacked for the top five, all of those bottom 10 teams, by all accounts, are not going to be upset losing. The management, you know what they're thinking? They're thinking dollar signs. They want to have one of those prized top five picks so they can get a centerpiece to build around. When you're looking at the franchises at the bottom right now, everyone kind of needs a main player. That's just how it works. And... Some of these teams have just slid right back in the conversation. OKC is one of them. The Sacramento Kings are seriously one of them. Like they were in the playoff hunt. Now they're 22 and 34. Lost their last nine. They're done for the year. So they're going to be looking at eyeballing the main prize. Like you don't want to be winning many more games if you're the Thunder or just any team trying to hunt a top pick point blank. And OKC. They have a lot of these bottom eight teams remaining on their schedule all coming at once. In fact, they only have four more bottom eight teams to face. They're all coming in their next five games. So they have Detroit on Friday. They get a break on Saturday and you get a double header. This is a serious double header. One, two punch. The Toronto Raptors and the Washington Wizards. They are one and a half games back from us right now. You lose on both those games, you're good. They are kind of pushed out. You kind of create a little bit of a barrier between them. 
let's say you win both, then the tables have turned. You're going to be falling down the standings. If you split them, it's still dangerous. So you kind of want to lose all those. The Detroit game, you also want to lose. But as I mentioned, there's kind of these brackets where I think Detroit might find themselves in a safe zone. You never know because there is 17 games left. But they're kind of making their own wall right now. Probably only going to get destructed if they go on like a two or three game win streak at this point. But with us, it's dangerous with the Raptors and the Wizards. You're going to play the Indiana Pacers who, I mean, yeah, they're a solid team. They're still in the lottery right now, though. They are 12th in the lottery standings right now. And then right after them, you're going to be playing the Washington Wizards again. So seriously, the Washington Wizards and the Thunder are going to be the main talking point next week. You battle them twice. Whoever wins on both of those, in the short term, they're good. They're living lavish. But when you look past the short term and you think the long term, those are going to be brutal. Same goes for all the remaining games. You, You know, it's equal weight on every game. But in the circumstances where you are playing someone you're kind of competing with, it's even more important because it's not just setting yourselves up. It's where you can control the other person's destiny. And it's a bit different because when you're both trying to win, like you're going to get 100% from everybody. But now we saw it with how Detroit is doing everything, just completely benching their mainstay guys. This is going to be really just exciting for the wrong reasons like NBA the NBA did not want a situation like this to probably happen again they saw Sam Hinkie in the process and they said you know what nope we're gonna get Brian Colangelo and his damn t-shirt collar or whatever over this guy because we don't want to have anybody else tanking well now look at what you have you have a month left and you have 10 teams who by all accounts I don't think are trying to win right now so you get all these games, you're going to have everybody getting the flu, getting just resting time, their knee's going to get all hurt, you know, you're going to find some sort of illness or soreness, and there's just going to be people flying off the board, and it's been happening all year, like it is 100% been happening all year, but it hasn't been called out on, Adam Silver, I don't think is going to put his foot down on this, you just kind of sit back, relax, and see what goes on here. But this is going to be a crazy finish to the season for us and just everybody involved. And it starts with how we do in these last five. If we lose the next five games, we're going to be in a much better spot here. We're really going to get a clearer picture of what goes on after we finish that second Washington Wizards game. Because then you're going to move on to play some of the heavy hitters. You have the 76ers, the Celtics, the Suns. You have the Warriors for two more games. They only they only finished their first one. Like their first matchup was this week. They have them two more times and if Curry's still on his hot streak, they're really as good as the contenders right now even if the record does not show it. But they don't have a lot more like almost give me wins in a normal season. Like you have a lot of these playoff teams and outside of them just fringe guys. They have the Kings, they have the Pacers two more times, so Outside of the one squashed in their next five games, they have another set against them. But for the most part, their schedule's pretty rough. And, you know, we'll see what happens with SGA. But with SGA being absent, you kind of give the the advantage to the other teams in really all those cases. 
hard to judge. I think the Pistons won. You might still put the Thunder in front right now, but it, we'll see kind of how everything shapes out here. We'll see if SGA comes back, who's going to be playing for us. Gabriel Deck, he is actually still in Europe right now. I don't really have the current status on like where he would be in the immigration process, but he's not really set to make his return. You know, it, it was kind of mocked that he would make a debut on April 23rd against the Wizards in that second game, but I just don't know if the timeline works. It kind of could move as slow or as fast as um, imaginable, so it could really go either way. You can't really put a set time frame on how the immigration process would work for him, so we'll see what goes on. We'll see what goes on with all the other teams. Standings is going to be the talk of the town for the next three weeks, so just sit back, relax, and enjoy. And as I mentioned, if you just want that quick jolt of joy, Make sure to watch the Thunder game, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'll get you guys the game recap tomorrow, as always. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.